This podcast contains conversations about trauma and other challenging subjects and may be sensitive for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. If you need resources to get help, please see the show notes. You're listening to Drawn to a Deeper Story. I'm Kath Brew from Drawn to a Story. I'm an artist who illustrates and educates about marginalised experiences for positive change with a particular interest in identity, belonging and expat life. This podcast is about the lives that challenge us and the difficult conversations around them. It's a place to listen openly, to absorb people's truths and basically to learn how to show up differently for the benefit of everyone. And that's you, the listener included. In recent years, you may have heard the term neurodiversity being used with more frequency. Judy Singer, the Australian sociologist, coined the term in the 1990s, and she's an autistic person and a parent of an autistic child. Today, it's used as an umbrella term to typically talk about people who are dyslexic, dyspraxic, who have ADHD, have dyscalculia, uh, Tourette's syndrome, even acquired brain injury, and autism, I'm going to say autism slash Asperger's. Every human has strengths and weaknesses. We all have our strengths and weaknesses. But for neurodiverse people, the space between those strengths and weaknesses is particularly marked. The UK's National Autistic Society says that autism is a lifelong developmental disability which affects how people communicate and interact with the world. And it can make people's lives exceptionally challenging. You may not be aware, but much of the challenges are hidden. And if you're neurotypical, and I put that in inverted commas, you may be completely unaware of what someone is actually dealing with on a daily basis. And someone who knows what that is like is Hayley Slade. Now, Hayley describes herself as a yoga-loving hippie tattoo artist with Asperger's. And I love that description. It sums her up perfectly. But I also know that Haley is incredibly self-aware and is the perfect person to talk to you today about being autistic. So welcome, Haley, and thank you for joining me. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> thank you for having me, Kat. It's <laughs> <That's> my pleasure. <laughs> now, the, I think we, we get the technical stuff out of the way first. And yes. um, a lot of people use the word autism. Other people use the word Asperger's. How do you... I mean, you used Asperger's in your bio, but how do you want me to refer to you? Well, I have no preference. And I realise that I think now the term Asperger's is out of date. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I had my diagnosis, which was now four years ago, mm-hmm. um, that was what came yeah. on my form. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think now it is just autistic spectrum disorder. disorder. Some, sometimes I say Asperger's because yeah. I I think that maybe more people may have heard of the term, mm, mm. whereas a lot of people still associate autism with the more severe mm. in, you know, yeah. inverted yeah. commas yeah. end of the spectrum, yeah. where in actual fact that is now the new sort of blanket term. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Hayley, can you tell me, can you describe to me what it, what it's like to be Asperger's well we all 
live our life from our own perspective. So for me, I didn't know or feel any different other Mm -hmm. than, well, sort of as I grew older, finding slight patterns in discomfort through Mm -hmm. conversations within relationships, um, friendships, those sorts of things. I guess just sort of as I grew older, I kind of sort of felt, oh, maybe... I am a little different from everyone else, but having my diagnosis has has definitely helped me to realise where the areas in my life I'm different to others Mm. are. But having spent 32 years of my life masking Mm. and trying to fit into a world that isn't made for someone that processes like me Mm -hmm. um, is obviously very tiring and draining Mm, mm. but again I hadn't realized any of that until I had my diagnosis Mm. and that that must be difficult growing up where you've only got the experience I mean like all of us you've only got the experience of your own life so you're not to know that it's any different to anyone else's no exactly that and um I think the era I grew up obviously I was born in 1985 Mm. um through through the late 80s and into the 90s it was certainly not diagnosed as much then or even sort of known about mm. unless you were presenting as a very severe case that mm-hmm. would potentially have um, physical effects. So because of that, I had a lot of ways and habits and, you know, what's called stimming, things mm-hmm. like that, that I used to do as a kid that mm-hmm. obviously I would have been picked on a lot mm-hmm. for. Yeah. Can um, you just explain to people what stimming is for those who don't know? Yeah. Uh, so so stimming is a sort of a repetitive movement something you find comfort through a lot of autistic people would sort of rock or do things with their hands mm. or near their face for me I, I know I used to spin a lot or mm-hmm. do like like roly-polies that mm-hmm. kind of thing I used to find a huge comfort laying on the on the ground mm. I heard someone the other day talking about being on the autistic spectrum and talking about the stimming that they did because it allowed them to give a boundary to their body they felt they needed Mm. the hardness of something against them to actually otherwise the the expansiveness was incredibly uncomfortable physically it made me suddenly appreciate why stimming was comforting to this person wow yeah that's such a great way of describing it Mm. it's not something I've ever really been able to put into words before but Mm. that that makes yeah just Mm. so much sense in my head and I can Mm. totally get that now yeah but isn't that wonderful that you found the space like you did it naturally you you found your your ways Mm. I also find when I feel uncomfortable generally like whether it's a sensory overload or having an awkward conversation or Mm. a feeling or emotion I'm not comfortable sitting in I tend to pick up my fingers or nails mm. um I used to be terrible for biting my nails and my cuticles but I dig my fingernails into my legs like something mm. to try and bring me into the present like mm. to feel my body mm. 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 um but that you know again with sensory issues I never know the extent of when's too much or too hard and then mm. Mm. you know perhaps I might be bleeding or mm. something like mm. that but not actually feel that, that that it's that bad that must have been yeah. incredibly 
difficult growing up with and and with schooling as well because I, I I've read that a lot of autistic children get classified as being naughty or difficult and they're not yes seen yeah. I mean maybe less so these days but they're trying to to fit and function in a, a world that is a struggle for you must have been quite difficult yeah definitely I think from a very young age I always felt extremely anxious as though I didn't fit uh, I was I was extremely shy like uncomfortably painfully shy mm. that I never wanted attention on me mm. um so I, I was referred to as a square quite a lot because <laughs> I didn't I didn't want the negative attention of being mm. naughty even mm. though I really wasn't comfortable doing a lot of things mm. um you know that we had to do at school mm. but I I would always just try and keep my head down and go along with things mm. and a lot of the time I'd just be sort of like humming away to myself while doodling and mm. find, trying to find a comfort but I was I was very very fortunate because my mum was a dinner lady at school so I had a little bit of a, a go-to on yeah. my break times that I could yeah. go and see her. But again, that was an issue uh, which I was only just thinking about the other day because mm. I can remember holding mum's hand at lunchtime a lot. And this would have been when I was in year one or two of infant school. Yeah. Probably between the ages of like maybe five and seven, something mm. like that. And mum would always just try and shake shake me off and <laughs> just say you know go and make friends go and find your friends and mm. me sort of just walking around sucking my thumb all the time and yeah. just wanting to stay with mum because it was a comfort and mm. I didn't want to play with people because I didn't understand their games everything was just a competition and I mm. was never competitive I didn't mm. want to win or beat people or lose especially because I would take that as such a personal rejection yeah yeah um then I would feel like Oh, my own mum doesn't even want mm. me to be, you know, with her. But mm. she was obviously thinking she was doing her best and trying to get me to mm. socialise. Mm. Well, and um, neither of you knew why you would no. have felt that way either. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. W- without that knowledge, again, obviously, mm. that was that was very difficult. You know, she obviously thought she was doing good by trying mm. to force me to go and mm. be less shy and find yeah. confidence and that sort yeah. of thing yeah. and also I think just to to reiterate for people who are listening who might not understand the details of kind of how it might manifest that, that some of the things are social communication can be challenging or social mm-hmm. interactions um not under like you've you indicated not understanding what people are doing or why they're doing things yeah. and the other thing is is things like there's often an oversensitivity to light and touch and sound and not liking change. Yeah. And, and if you think about growing up, all of those things, social communication, interaction, uh, being in a loud school playground, lots of change, like it's everything. that Yeah. All of, all of all the things once. that you don't really want. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah. it, it's, and then if um, it's raining, you're stuck inside and you've got the fluorescent lights and then yeah. it's even louder. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. One of the common uh, misunderstandings that I've always heard from people is that um, people who are on the autistic spectrum don't have any empathy. They struggle with empathy. And <laughs> what I know of you, I don't think that's particularly true of you. Do you have what, <laughs> no. what do you want to say on that? That, yes, it is a very common misconception, mm-hmm. um, but also it, my, my experience is the complete opposite. I've always 
been very, very sensitive to any sort of shift in mood or tone or interaction with anyone. I I mean, I am quite spiritual as well. So Mm. there's a sense of intuition with that. But I've always been referred to as oversensitive or too sensitive, you know, Mm. all of that. But to not have empathy at all, I would sometimes absolutely love (laughs) it would be just such a relief yeah because yeah I I feel like I've kind of just just grown up sort of feeling everyone's feelings for them Mm. a lot of the time Mm. um carrying it for them Mm. uh maybe that's because I don't like the discomfort of there being any kind of mood or mm. upset around that so I like to try and take some of that away from someone I don't want to see people in pain or suffering or hurting mm. um, and that's been a huge lesson for me to try and learn to mm. sit with discomfort mm. and mm. I'm aware other people process things very differently to me yeah. and at a different rate and pace Mm. so Mm. I have to allow them to process it because I might pick up on it before they've even realized that they're looking like they're upset or yeah yeah (laughs) you know anything so Mm. I know that that's that's my issue of I don't like this so I need to fix it right now because it's making me uncomfortable (laughs) (laughs) but but that's it is um it's interesting because the other people I know who are on the autistic spectrum um have a huge amount of empathy for other Mm -hmm. people and want to help people it it comes from a nice place it's not from um a control or anything it's about like they've talked about um wanting to be able to help people and having to learn that it's not their problem to fix like someone else has to learn those things as well and that's tough that can be hard um very and yeah. and you feel those emotions hugely you you're aware of it and I but I also think isn't that comes back to this kind of Hollywood depiction or this idea mm. of depicting people of what we think of the extremes of kind of what it, how this might present um, yeah definitely like you know some people have watching those sorts of films people might even think there's a form of an autistic person that may come across as selfish or mm. like their needs are all that matters mm. and that's that whereas it's not at all Mm. um I don't know if maybe there's an element of us you know being impacted by so much discomfort in ways that we wouldn't want others to have to go through that Mm. Mm. um that maybe there's a a part of that as well maybe our empathy comes from as well Mm. Mm. um helping people because of your experiences yeah yeah Mm. Mm. Uh, yeah so it can be it can be very challenging Mm. I remember a few people saying to me when I just got my diagnosis so oh it's just a piece of paper it doesn't define who you are Hmm. and I thought can I swear yeah do (laughs) (laughs) absolutely Um, I thought yes it fucking well does define me and that's what I wanted yeah. That is what I have battled so yeah. long. Validates everything. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So that's a projection of your insecurity with whatever issues you have around this diagnosis. Mm. And you can fuck off with that little uh, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> <chime in. laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because it's not welcome here. Because no. 
yes, it does define me. And yeah. that's exactly how I want it. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm really interested you say that because someone once asked me how I would describe my identity. And as quick mm-hmm. as a flash, I said, um, redheaded Australian lesbian. Yeah. And I thought, oh, that's really interesting. And I realized it was the <laughs> three things I'd had to fight for that had been used against me by people. Yeah. And woman didn't come into it, which because I'm a huge like feminist, woman didn't come, all this other stuff. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's interesting. And I realized you it finally was... get to own the bits yeah, that people don't... have just picked apart for yeah. years. Don't and years. you dare yeah. take that off me. This is who yeah. I am. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fantastic. It is, yeah, it's it does feel very powerful to mm. finally get those parts back, isn't it? Like yeah. I'm yes. not quite as ginger now but as a kid I was and that was just another thing that attracted Mm. attention that I got bullied for you know having big front teeth because I used to suck my thumb because that was my stimming yeah uh yeah yeah, so stuff all all those things so yeah yeah, it's 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 nice when they don't hold power over you in the same way anymore yeah absolutely I've never really wanted anyone to think of me as moody or Mm. you know grumpy Mm, or mm. not friendly or approachable and Mm. things like that and I realized since having my diagnosis that I finally care a lot less about what other people think because Mm. I know I can't do so much I I have to be more intuitive and if Mm. being able to get through a working day is sometimes enough Mm. or hard enough if I have to do that without a smile on my face and people think that I'm grumpy or I'm in a mood today then that's fine because Mm. at least I can get through my day yeah yeah um and you're also you don't you're very open I mean I need to tell um listeners that Hayley is my tattooist um so I've (laughs) (laughs) I've seen her at work and and been in her space and it, it's an incredibly intense environment where there's a high level of concentration for you and mm. you're also very open about who you are now since you've had your diagnosis so I yeah. also think you talk about masking and you've you've masked your whole life to actually why do you have to it, it's it's a balance and into a conversation a connection is two people that both of you can come up to that level of seeing each other mm. and you I think the more open you are about it the better it is because it allows you the space to not have to take the lead to be responsible for that space like other people yeah. to shared space I think that's really important yeah yeah that's very true um mm. I, I can remember an instance one day I was tattooing a new customer and I had met her briefly for a consultation a few weeks before the date of her appointment mm. and I was in the mood for it that day like I, I had energy she was sort of quite high energy I had an initial gut feeling like maybe she had ADHD something Mm. like that but obviously I didn't want to make that assumption or Mm. anything Um, and the day she was due in I was sort of just coming off the back of a few days of sort of burnout and overwhelm Mm. and Mm. I was exhausted I was sort of still feeling the aftershock of that I guess a hangover from it Mm, absolutely (laughs) um, I had messaged her privately and said look I know you're due to come in today please don't 
take any of it personally mm. you know uh I'm autistic and this is how I felt the last few days so mm. please excuse me I'm just going to keep my head down get on with my work and do the best job I can for mm. you mm. but don't expect much conversation <laughs> or anything and yeah. if you don't mind leaving me to it not trying yeah. to force any conversation I'll have <laughs> the energy to yeah. get through it for yeah, you yeah 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 bring headphones whatever you want to do yeah. but mm. don't look to me I won't be talking conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and actually she when she came in at the end of the session she said how grateful she was for me saying so wow. and that she had um been on and off of um medication her whole life because wow. she had got diagnosed with ADHD when she was wow. younger <laughs> and then mm. asked me how I went about getting my diagnosis fantastic so it opened up a whole yeah. dialogue and had a completely different dynamic to her mm. instead of her coming in all frantic and me mm. feeling almost like backed into a corner absolutely not knowing how to to cope with it or mm. being able to just crack on with my work and mm. focus on one thing mm. you know so yeah. I was very grateful that I I did it and that yeah was, good for obviously you. that reaction gave me a lot more confidence to do that yeah when I feel yeah. the same for yeah. other people yeah I'm not surprised you're self-employed it's like it it's you don't have a boss in that sense so it's your environment to choose how you want to work and if you can express that to someone um I think that's absolutely wonderful it's absolutely you taking control of that environment and and making your needs known which I think is wonderful and I think the more we can all do that the better regardless of neurodiversity yeah definitely or- it's only been a, really been a lockdown that's sort of taught me all of this because I've had the time to mm. sit and process myself, mm. really. Like I've mm. gone through my life just as me, not mm. knowing I did or processed things any different to anyone else. It's post-diagnosis. People that I didn't know before my diagnosis, are I've been learning a lot from them because mm-hmm. I've been able to go into a new relationship with that knowledge. Yeah. Whereas people that knew me before my diagnosis, their opinion and views of me are of me masking, but they yeah. think they know me. Oh, that's fascinating, isn't it? Does that it? make From, sense? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. From an identity point of view of... Yes. Yeah. Like, oh, well, that's just, hey, and it's like, well, no, mm. nobody actually really knows me on the outside because you just see a version of me that mm. I think exists in the world that won't draw negative attention. Yeah. That's fascinating. How do you think that's impacted them when they, if they think they've had a relationship, like a friendship or whatever with you and learning that you've been masking? Have you had those kind of conversations with people? Um, I don't know if I've, I've maybe sort of tried to say a few things here Mm. and there. I think some people have been open to it and sort of wanted to learn whereas other people just kind of like dismissed it and think they know me anyway Mm, um mm. but there's been a lot more instances where says before I would just crack on and do anything like if I'd made a plan I wouldn't cancel it whereas Mm. now if I'm tired Mm. or I just don't feel right I Mm. I will cancel things and yeah maybe some people do take that more personally now whereas Mm. it's 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 not it's more intuitive than I've ever been yeah you're actually living how you like you're authentically you rather Mm. than masking yeah which must be definitely 
that must be far less exhausting as well it really is yeah Mm -hmm. and you know when I first started doing it it was uncomfortable because Mm. I would still feel guilty and Mm. then I would exhaust myself by trying to fit them in on another day when I had no time in the UK we have a um a lanyard that you can wear around your neck that has always it well it's been an indicator of having a, a hidden disability for a while and it's a sign that you might um need some extra help or just be aware that you might be respond to something differently and my my wife finds it particularly useful at airports and going through security mm. um and in lockdown in this country as as you're well aware it was used also you could have a, as a, an exemption for wearing a mask um how has your experience been before and after lockdown with the because you go out and about and you see an awful lot of lanyards out and about now mm, has that yeah. had a difference about how people treat you or how they respond to you it's been extremely varied um mm-hmm. I've obviously been very thankful for it so when the masks and everything started I wore one because I thought I would be okay just mm. getting on with it for the first couple of short stints I did continue wearing a mask um, but I was really struggling like the work Mm. was just even more overwhelming than normal and I couldn't Mm. figure out what it was and why I was just so drained and not able to keep up with the amount of work that I could have before I kept going to the toilet having to take the mask off and like spinning out getting really Mm. bad like I don't have a very sensitive gag reflex at all but it, Mm. it really felt like I just wanted to be sick all the time well couldn't get my breath or like I was going to pass out all the time mm-hmm. wearing glasses as well obviously mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of people found how frustrating oh, it yeah. is with the yeah. Up yeah. And, yeah. and you know with sensory issues just the pressure on your face mm-hmm. and one, one of my main sensory issues is feeling um breath on on me on skin mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I just I hate it it's mm-hmm. just this instant rage and anger mm. <laughs> that I have to just really try and not lash out at <laughs> not smash someone as you <laughs> yeah. turn into a she-hulk for a yeah, moment exactly. and, even, and then when it's uh, your own breath it's like awful yeah, yeah it's even worse because you just, yeah, have no one to be angry at but probably present as a terrible mood to everyone on the outside but <laughs> well um, and also if you're I mean tattooing's not a temporary thing it's like you've no. got to make sure you're doing it right and well and I know you have a very exactly high standard that. of work and you can't yeah. stuff up like uh, yeah exactly so the the stress levels were just through the roof and mm. when it came to uh returning in the new year I wrote a statement for work to tell everyone that I shan't be struggling on through mm. masking once mm. again Um, and that I will be wearing my lanyard um, you know testing two or three times a week so keeping safe but I won't be wearing a mask I didn't have anyone that wasn't comfortable with it Mm. um, at all which was Mm. great I I don't feel comfortable really in an interaction with people unless it's ridiculously open yeah um yeah you you said in my intro that I'm very Mm. self-aware 
No, I always thought that I was, but I think sometimes oh, I don't know that I am. <laughs> 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 Is that your autistic Masking side again? Yeah. Or yeah, I just well also I, the. Um, the analyzing that focus yeah. on detail is yeah. is a huge strength but it can also be a, a, a like a challenge as well and yeah um, very I think but, that's probably what it is I think because I know I feel comfortable talking that deeply mm. that I forget not everyone mm. wants to mm. I have to really remind myself to ask questions about if people are comfortable talking about things mm. before I just launch into a conversation mm. about their mm. deepest darkest moments <laughs> they probably want to forget that's, and move on but yeah that's I, probably why we get on well because I'm a bit the same yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not on the spectrum Tell me I can't not do deep conversation <laughs> hence hence the podcast yeah um, yeah quite right yeah no, I, just, I, yeah. I feel like um I'm withholding important mm. information or something. Mm. I I feel I'm the worst liar. Obviously, I'm the worst <laughs> well, liar. I'll remember that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I just feel like if if someone asks, "How are you?" could just mm. be, "I don't really care." But how are you? Just being polite. Yeah. I don't get that. I'm no. like, oh well, I'm not today. Yeah, I'm not great because this yeah. happened, that happened. Oh, it's the new moon. Blah blah blah. I'll go. To, you know. <laughs> proper yeah. hippie off world for a moment and someone's probably thinking just, right I've got uh, I'm late for my bus now because yeah, or the, I just a yes or no would have been fine <laughs> exactly <laughs> my, I mean that could be the autistic literal side but it also could just yeah. be I mean it's like as a society we do this this surface level kind of falseness that's like mm. oh hi how are you going and you, people don't really want an answer it's like if you're at the checkout in the supermarket it's having a good day and I'm sure yeah. they want me just to say, yeah, it's great. But part of me wants to say, actually, I've had a really shitty day. My grandmother's just died. The cat's yeah. like, I, I want to do that just to see how people will react. And I, I find that when, I don't know about you, but I find that, that if I actually start to talk about life, not quite that mm. extreme, or ask them about their day, their they you can see the energy shift in the person and they actually oh hugely that you're talking about them and asking about them and you hope yeah they're almost a bit baffled aren't they or yeah yeah just sort of momentarily shocked like someone's seen me absolutely and I think that's why I'm so passionate about these kind of conversations like this one and the podcast because we don't we don't allow ourselves to be vulnerable or to talk to people that are mm. complete strangers very much in that way and I think if we allow ourselves a bit of vulnerability and a bit of open the door slightly it allows other people to do the same and it's we just connect more there's less polarity and less division yeah. and all of that kind of stuff well I definitely do that mm. and it takes me quite a bit of time to then realize if the other person isn't comfortable yeah <laughs> like yeah. whoa oversharing yeah <laughs> I'm definitely a, a serial oversharer <laughs> I was gonna say you can overshare with me anytime baby but I thought my, my wife might think differently <laughs> um, that's also another thing like obviously I know you well now but yeah, um, exactly. sarcasm just <laughs> I do not get no. <laughs> unless it's really really obvious yeah or 
a sexual innuendo. Yeah, then, then you're on it. You're right. <laughs> sexual innuendo, get that. Toilet humor, get that. But that's why we um, get on as well. Toilet yeah. humor and sexual innuendo. <laughs> yeah. But outside um, of that, just sarcasm, I just mm. um, take so personally. So that I, must that must make relationships harder then. Like that le- yeah, that level yeah. of having to really communicate with a partner to help them understand where you're coming from and them to you as well yeah definitely I uh, have just started reading a really interesting book actually called the other half of Asperger's Mm -hmm. there's a bit in that that she says about how if you were bullied as a child and you have Asperger's that that level of personal rejection and trauma stays with you mm. forever that mm. the tiniest little comment can strip you right back to that moment Take you, in the yeah. playground mm. where a small flippant comment to someone mm. would reduce me to a gibbering crying yeah. trembling wreck in the corner mm. and I would just think why are you being mm. so mean mm. not getting <laughs> what yeah no no it's just yeah. not yeah, not um, a completely different... Well, in those moments, you do feel like you've been put on an alien planet. Mm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm just, yeah, surrounded by a completely different race that happened to yeah. look like me and yeah, function yeah. certain similarities. We see depictions of autistic people in film and in TV, and like the most probably notable one is Dustin Hoffman's character in Rain Man mm. and and then more recently there's Netflix series Atypical that focuses on the yeah. teenager Sam and uh who's on the autistic spectrum um mm. how helpful are these depictions for raising awareness in terms of how how people react to you because like the Rain Man character is a uh, the autistic savant and he's one extreme but there's there becomes these kind of extreme ends and there's an awful lot of people mm. that are in between. How does that help or impact with your life and what people think you're going to be like, or do they expect you to look different because you're autistic or like what, how do they? Yeah. I mean, again, as you say, like the rain man thing, mm. I think when people say we don't look autistic, that's what they have in their head, you know? Mm. Mm. Um, but I've recently been watching Atypical actually. I think it's great. There's mm. just so many moments in that that have really like hit hit me emotionally quite hard because yeah. I can just empathize with them so much. Mm. A lot of my points of reference and things are me being at school and th- mm. those sort of teenage years because mm. I really absolutely hated being at school. Mm. Mm. And I can remember, you know, parents and people saying, these are the best years of your life. And thinking, well, kill me now, mm. because if it doesn't get any better than this, then yeah. what's the point? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, I just hated it. People mm. were horrible. Uh, mm. Obviously, that's a generalisation. I have some friends from school that I'm still friends with now. Mm. Yeah. But I um, got picked on a lot. I got bullied yeah. a lot. Mm. So I just tried to do it, anything and everything I could to just fit in look Mm. like people Mm. mimic and mask in every way that I could Mm. um, because I didn't want this attention or I didn't Mm. want to keep getting tripped up or pushed against the wall you Mm. know just just all different forms of bullying really Mm. Mm. 
why I seemed to cause such offence to people. Why, mm. why did they need to react so harshly towards mm. me? Mm. I couldn't work out what I was doing was so wrong or bad. Mm. Mm. Yeah, well, none of it. but also I want to pick up on that you talk about the years and years of learning to mimic and and then masking Mm. and observing people I don't want this to be all about the challenges because they're the 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 positives are also incredible like the the incredible ability to of focus and persistence on on things and um, people talk about an aptitude for recognizing patterns and attention to detail mm. and those things is although it was born out of a difficult experience it's you using those things to for survival and and you look at the work you do now as a, as a tattooist the artwork that you do and the detail that you put in and it's just incredible and I think um, it's it's like that distant relative of yours saying oh I'm sorry it's actually well no actually this can be amazing and the kind of jobs that people can do can really play to their strengths so well um, yeah I mean we wouldn't have a lot of things that we have in the world now without autistic people absolutely yeah <laughs> definitely, definitely I think that's what people forget you know mm. we wouldn't have probably electric computers mm. financial system mm. you know yeah. mortgages we probably yeah. wouldn't have any, no. anything in the way the society works without mm. autism yeah yeah it's interesting with the, the um recognizing patterns as well I'm uh, just briefly my my wife tells the story of going to a, a a workshop day where they were having to I think with the church and they were looking at church accounts and trying to work it out and all these people were sitting there desperately trying to work out how to balance these books and they just couldn't and she's because she isn't good at math she just said oh well I'll just go mm. make the tea and she yeah. came back in and they were still furiously writing and she she just looked and said well it's obvious it's just that goes there and that and she just could see it crystal yeah. clear as a pattern and they all looked yeah. at her and was like what um it's yeah, almost I like totally a super superpower <laughs> yeah yeah because yeah so if you're looking at a sort of like a, a wider image of it all spread mm. out mm. and it, yeah even just how something looks on a page mm. there's one bit that's slightly out of place you'll pick it out mm. you know like a like it's a red flag mm. Mm. um I can remember learning uh my mental arithmetic was never great um Mm. but I can remember the way that I used to learn my spellings was not the word itself but I would memorize and remember the whole page that I had written the words on and how the page looked Um, so my mum used to call it a photographic memory but in actual fact it's obviously that that pattern finding Mm. that's incredible Um, I can still just talking about it now. I can still remember one of the pages and like no some of the way. words that it had on it. Yeah. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I remember I was trying to learn the, how to spell the word illustration, mm. and uh, yeah, I can still remember like how my handwriting looked at that time and everything. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. That must be really, really great way to wig people out, though. If like, uh, yeah. uh, like memory like an elephant that you can freak people I, out. Yeah, but I never even knew that that was a thing really mm. until yeah I talked to more people and one of uh, a friend of mine actually re- referred to that not so long ago and said that my 
memory was freaky (laughs) (laughs) I don't even remember that we did that how do you remember every detail about what you were wearing what I was wearing Mm. what we were talking about like what the weather was doing that day (laughs) (laughs) just a a full scene you know (laughs) I also wanted to ask you what can I mean you've talked a lot about kind of your experiences and and I know that you're on the autistic spectrum and we know each other well if I'm a complete stranger in the street or like someone who's just been introduced to you what what can we do to make your life easier that's a good question (laughs) (laughs) I guess never assume Mm -hmm. or don't talk to us in a really patronizing way like we're Mm. mentally ill (laughs) yeah yeah uh ask questions very often you get the rabbit in headlights moment Mm. uh and maybe some people will pick up on that. Some people might not. But just mm. just always ask, is, yeah. is, is there something that would maybe make you feel a bit better? Mm. Sometimes it can be taking off your shoes and sitting on the floor. And a lot yeah. of people might not be comfortable with you doing that. But mm. when you meet the right friends and people, they don't care. And they'll probably join you. Maybe just be that little bit more aware that meeting in a coffee shop mm. might be dead comfortable for you. But won't be for someone yeah. who's autistic. We might need to sit outside or we might need to be in a quiet corner that's not Mm. bright or we might be wearing our sunglasses which people might think you're a diva (laughs) or I might just have to well I know you're a diva Hayley yeah (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, headphones is quite a big one Mm. I think you know a lot of people will probably think of something about Mary with the yeah yeah uh, her brother Mm. in that but in actual fact very often I I um don't even have music on I just Mm. have them to Mm. sort of trim out that background noise yeah dim dimly it's it's like white noise isn't it just dim it down yeah yeah Mm. and Mm. especially in coffee shops you know if you've got the milk steamer going and then Mm. if someone's emptying the dishwasher or Mm. you know that noise of just the china plates all being stacked up really roughly it's just Mm. oh it's like someone's picking needles in your eardrum yeah, I was going to say that, ask you about that, because I've heard people say it's it's physically painful. It's not just yeah. uncomfortable, it's physically painful. I think a lot of people think, oh, sensory things are individual, but they're not, they're so linked. You do get the physical effects from an mm. auditory overstimulation. Mm. It even affects at sometimes like my eyesight, mm-hmm. things will go dizzy or blurry if I you know feel certain things or certain Mm. sensations on my skin can make Mm. me just want to physically cringe so much Mm. or a noise can make you just want to curl into a a ball yeah you know it's not for the sensory things for us are so linked that yeah they they aren't individual senses it's just like a whole nother part of our body it's almost like it's electrified isn't it it's a overstimulation Um, yes mm. yeah if we find you in that state like if if by chance someone's out and about and or even for a partner like a partner or a sibling friend anybody who has someone who's on the autistic spectrum and I know everyone is hugely varied but in those moments of of overstimulation what's the best way because if you're if you're in a state where you're struggling just to exist and you can't verbalize what you Mm. might need or not need what's the best thing to do to help someone in that that situation everyone's going to be so different on this Mm. but 
for me, I tend to not be able to sort of vocalize too well about mm-hmm. what I need. Yeah. So I, I need someone to almost think for me mm-hmm. and to just maybe give me, give me some orders just now, like, yeah. right. Come like, give me a bag, like just mm. take everything off of us that you might think is too much. If we're wearing shitloads of layers, which we probably are, we're probably overheated, yeah. but we can't sense that we have. Mm. So, you know, take a jumper, like take, take our arm, like walk us outside mm. or mm. sit us on the floor just like some some guidance Mm. or you know if you can if you can get an answer out of us like what do we need or what can Mm. I do to help Mm. we might be able to say like you know I need to get outside or take me home or just get somewhere quiet yeah Mm. somewhere quiet somewhere out of where there's eyes and ears Mm. you know just Mm. somewhere just to be uh and just allow it the wave to wash over enough Mm. to get home or get safe I imagine that's a big thing is as you say to get safe like that yeah the word safety is such an important thing and it 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 operates on so many different levels in terms Mm. of physical but but emotional safety that it must be scary being in that state and and particularly if you're not in your comfort yeah if you're not at home like if you're out somewhere it can be scary I imagine yeah definitely because very often once you get to that point of overwhelm and overload I again the physical side comes in I just feel so dizzy and exhausted like a sort of dead weight I Mm. I can remember once just being sat in my car or getting back to my car and just sort of collapsing into it and thinking Mm. finally I can just Mm. let the guard down for a moment Mm. but then thinking now at some point I am going to have to drive home Mm. Mm. um but it it can before I've been walking and it happened and it 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 felt like somebody had just shaken the ground underneath me that you know I've sort of stumbled and gone to fall over Mm. very often when people are really really stressed that's maybe how Mm. they might feel then like you get Mm. the the chest the anxious the tight Mm. chest or Mm. that sort of thing comes with it as well yeah to the extent where you're on the floor with it it's mm. um yeah it's not very nice and no. and especially if you haven't had a diagnosis and you're mm. sort of in your teens or something and you might mm. be out drinking for the first mm. few times and if that happens to you then you know it can be very very scary yeah yeah absolutely and I think it's important to to talk about that and I'm really grateful that you're sharing this because I think there are a lot of people that won't have been diagnosed or they will know someone Mm. that they suspect might be and and if we can recognize those kind of signs um there's more chance that that person can be kept safe and looked after and the right things happen rather than a response that's actually going to make it harder for somebody yeah definitely yeah there there is you know a lot of worry because obviously we plod along wanting to fit in with everyone Mm. um well I I know I did some people weren't bothered but I Mm. I, I was never bothered as a kid, but then when I was made to feel that my confidence being on my own was weird and that's what attracted a lot of negative attention mm. from mm. everyone, mm. that's when I changed and needed felt as though I needed to care a lot more about what other people thought. Yeah, yeah. Um, that then you go so over the top in wanting to try to fit in and keeping up with how everyone else socialises that... Mm 
you can then even not realize that overwhelm and burnout's hitting you mm. and it, if yeah if you're if you're a, an older teenager young adult and you're you're out sort of drinking and these social mm. situations really not comfortable but trying your best to fit in yeah you know you can get yourself into a lot yeah. of situations that you'd just be too scared to try and talk yeah. your way out of yeah absolutely and I imagine in those I mean one of the things I know well from um people with on the autistic spectrum is the the dislike to to change and and how mm. you have to get prepared for for like work up in your head the or what's going to happen or that there's a, a sameness that is people likes and if you're yeah constantly trying to fit to be like everyone else you're bringing constant change into your life as well which must yeah. must be really hard and I don't I just can't imagine teenagers are hard enough let alone that yeah. as well <laughs> yeah yeah I never thought of it like that actually yeah that's uh, an interesting way of putting it um mm. I very often sort of refer to having Asperger's to people as though you're living in a different country. So you're trying to translate Mm. a language in your head back Mm. into English so then you can understand that Mm. to then vocalise what you want to say back from English into another language to then talk to them. Yeah, that's a really nice analogy. It's almost like that, I guess, Mm. trying to process a world that doesn't work the way your brain does. Yeah, well, it's... 100% 100% a different way of communicating and not only mm. that but it's because of the physicality of it it's it's so deep I mean it's it's probably harder than being in another country because you're you're dealing with the physical sensations as well that come off. yeah it. yeah um so and also the other thing that if you are in another country you can always leave the other country and yeah. you go back you this go back too to hard I'm going home yeah you go back <laughs> to fitting in like this is yeah, this is you yeah. and I'm I've loved watching you come out more in that I don't want to say come out of yourself because mm. you've, you've you've stepped more into yourself I guess um yeah yeah but it does definitely feel feel like that at the mm. same time mm. yeah uh, and I think that there's a huge acceptance that I've had you know a lot, a lot of things have changed in my life especially this year um mm. and even looking back sort of three or four months ago I look mm. back now and I think oh yeah I wouldn't even have the energy to bother trying that anymore <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, yeah it's great I love it absolutely love it that's going to be us coming to a close so oh wow um, that's gone really quick yeah <laughs> it, it does a good yeah. conversation yeah um, yeah if people want to um have a look at your tattoos and follow your work and um maybe reach out to you i've got down here your social media is at tattoos by hay yeah that's me yeah that's uh, my instagram and facebook is tattoos by hayley slade okay fantastic thank you so much hayley one of the things with you i love how open and honest you are and um your your enthusiasm for sharing stuff because i think it can really help lots of other people and if there are other people that um just even want to say hello and i think you're fantastic then please do reach out <laughs> reach out to yeah um, yeah i'm more than happy to help where i can um yeah. i know there's a lot of people of all ages that have always maybe felt different but never been able to get a mm. diagnosis so yeah 
yeah yeah that's really really good so thank you thank you thank you very much just, Hayley. Oh, sorry that's my that's Rocco just having his input there at the very last moment <laughs> been trying to pacify him and keep him quiet this keep whole time <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much Hayley for your time and um I hope that uh well no actually I don't hope I know that um this will have been of interest and used to an awful lot of people uh to help understand each other and and other people's lives that little bit more so so thank you thank you for asking i had yeah. no idea that my uh existence <laughs> and experience was that interesting <laughs> <laughs> well they are because i'm just about to say that um if you or anyone else has a deeper story that you wish to share with listeners challenges that you've faced or grown through or still might even be dealing with please get in touch uh with me at drawntostory.com i'm always looking for uh new guests in the future so you've been listening to drawn to a deeper story with kath brew thanks very much for joining me <laughs>